Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for the day that you have made, that you have set aside each week for something called the Lord's Day. We celebrate, we worship you, we thank you, God. We thank you for the families that gather and that not only gather, but that they stay together and that they work for your glory. Father, we pray that uh, this city would be impacted by this church that understands your heart, that walks in your ways, that aligns themselves up with your purpose. And so we pray for your word this morning that it would be a sharp, double-edged sword piercing the hearts of men and compelling them to seek and to fulfill your desire. We give you thanks for your honor. We give you thanks for your glory. We pray, Father God, that your glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we pray that in the next couple of days and weeks as we close out the summer of 2016, we wouldn't have been ashamed of withdrawing and isolating ourselves away from your purposes, but that we celebrate your force upon the earth to change the world. We pray for godly men to rise. We pray for godly, virtuous wives to arise. We pray for obedient and honorable sons and daughters to arise and to take their place in the body of Christ. Father, that we might be a light, that we might be the example, that the world might follow after our footsteps, Lord, so that your name would be exalted, that your name would be great, that your name would carry the power to transform lives, families, cities, and nations. We give you thanks for your presence in our lives and in our hearts as it is revealed, O oh God, in the coming days. We give you thanks and ask that you prosper your word in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We have spent the better part of the last three weeks going through a series called World-Changing People, a world-changing people that walk in the purpose of God. And so each one of us individually is part of that reality. And then as we join together, the Bible says two is better than one. Uh, when there's an, an inability, and I, I say this all the time, uh, the closest unit of, amongst two human beings is a husband and a wife. And uh, we're seeing it today more than ever, that there's a disconnect between the heart of a husband and the heart of a wife. And so the Bible says where there is division in the house, there's no prosperity. Uh, years ago, we would tell a family um, that was super disruptive here at church, super always going against what God desired. Um, we, we, we met with them. We're like, what's going on with your inability to connect with the church so that we can change the world with the vision God has given the church? This is not my vision. I'm serving the vision that God has given us to impact nations. And in the last 18 years, uh, the impact we've had in the nations of the earth could only be described as world-changing, really powerful, as we've met with leaders uh, around the world. Uh, we flew into, um, this was about three months ago, we flew into Washington, D.C. We had a conference in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and I was with George Carrigal, and I said, George, I can't believe we're here a day before our conference, which is tomorrow, and we don't know any of the leaders in Washington, D.C. How could we not know leaders in Washington, D.C.? If this is our land, this is the capital of our nation, and we're changing the world, and we know a lot of people in a lot of places, we need to know leaders in Washington, D.C. 
I said, well, since we don't know leaders in Washington, D.C., let's go take a, a tour of the Family Research Council, which is a strong family and faith uh, leader in our nation. We says, we'll go take a tour there. And when we knock on the front door, this is three blocks away from the White House, when we walk on the front door of the Family Research Council, uh, the security guard, they didn't open the door. They said, what do you want? I said, good afternoon to you, sir, also. There was no greeting. It was serious because it's a very dangerous place. A lot of people want to send bombs there. They want to disrupt the work of the FRC, the Family Research Council. So we said, we're here. And then I remembered that General Boykin is the president of the FRC. He's one of their national directors. I said, we're here to see General Boykin. And they said, please hold. Wait a second. And so we waited for about 15 minutes. About 20 minutes later, General Boykin opens the front door of the FRC and said, how can I help you gentlemen? And so I said, well, we're friends of G.F. Watkins. And he says, any friend of G.F. Watkins is my friend. Come in. And so we have, di we have lunch. He invites us to lunch. And so we're able to share our hearts with what is a man. He's able to meet us. And, and then a month later, my, my, my two boys are able to do an interview with the FRC and go do a three-month internship with them. And this is where our sons should be, surrounded by men of God surrounded by the people of God, doing the things of God upon the nation. And so they, they appoint uh, Nicholas as the pa uh, in charge of the liaison with the United States pastors. All the pastors across the nation, he's supposed to call them on behalf of the Family Research Council to, be, to connect them to what the Family Research Council is doing. And, and with Joshua, they put him to write articles on their blog, and, and they call him Pastor Joshua. And I was like, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that our children are not playing go find Pokemon. Go to the Nintendo. That our children are rising up like it is promised in Psalm 112. In verse 1, it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. This is the promise for all those. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. What is the promise to this man? Verse 2. It says, his descendants will be mighty upon the land. His, his children will follow his footsteps. I, I, I have a contention with the men that I've been sharing with for a long time. How do you want your children to follow after footsteps that don't exist? How do you want your children to love God? When you don't love God, your priority is other things. How do you want them to pursue God when you don't make God your pursuit? This generation of mighty descendants on the earth will be blessed. The, the, the ones that come after the man of God, the blessing of God is not what they do in the secular world. The blessing of God comes from standing right before God. That they honor God. They honor the ways of God. What, what is our concern about our children doing this? That if they follow God fully, then they're going to miss out economically or financially. And no, the Bible says in verse 3, it says that there will be great wealth that will follow these young men. Wealth and riches will be in that house. And righteousness will endure forever. This is, this is the promise of God. If we're right with God, we're right with his provision. And when you're right with the provisions of God, you're blessed Proverbs 10.22 says it's the blessing of the Lord that increases wealth. 
that gives you uh, the blessing of material possessions is not based on the natural. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. There is no downturn to putting God first in your life. And so asking God to make us part of his people, uh, using his priorities to walk in his blessing begins in the house of the Lord. It begins in the house of the Lord. If we are negligent to honoring God in his house, there is no prosperity in our lives. You can be like uh, Ted Turner. He's one of the richest men in the world, but he's miserable in his marriage. His descendants have a bitter pill to drink every time they listen to him speak. The same thing with Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle. He's on his fifth relationship and marriage and family. One of the wealthiest men upon the earth, but he has a lot of sorrow that goes with it and not the enjoyment of a family grounded in the purpose of God. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 1, I'm reminded of the fact that God ceases to dispense The Lord of heaven, which wants to shower us with huge prosperity and blessing, says he takes away from his people, from Jerusalem and Judah, the stock. This is all the inventory of the storehouse. The provisions of our storehouse, uh, the provisions of of our monetary possessions and increase, including the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. Why would God stop blessing his people? Why would he say, you know something? Everything I have for you, I can't give you because you're going to take it in a wrong direction. What are the provisions of stock for the house of God? Have you ever understood what the inventory of the wealth of God's provision is over his people? It says it in verse 2. Not only bread and water... But this is it, warrior men, mighty men. It's unnatural for a man not to be mighty. The Bible says that the cowards are first to go into the lake of fire. Men depleted of courage. God never intended that there would be one man upon the earth that would be full of fear. The Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit to withdraw and to isolate and to not charge into battle. The man of war uh, in these days, because I believe that we're doing things that are very life-threatening. I I believe these are the days that require courageous men that will do things that will cost them their life. It's everything or nothing. What does a mighty man look like? What does a man of war look like? Um, I was, I've been doing a lot of contemplating in the life of George Washington, which is the first president of the United States, and how he charged into battle. Before he would charge into battle, he would kneel down and ask God to fill him with his presence. And he charged into so many battles. Um, When he came back from one battle, there was a bullet hole that went through his coat. And he would, he would lead the troops into battle. And he would come back. And, and that requires a lot, a lot of courage. Amen. To be at the front lines of battle. In a day where they're saying, you know something? You shouldn't be holding yourself out to be a radical Christian because you're going to lose your friends. How many are willing to lose their friends for Jesus Christ? Amen. Absolutely. 
And there's a lot of men that don't want to lose their friends for standing up for Jesus. They cowered under the multitude of compromise. They negotiate. It goes on to say in verse 2, not only men that are mighty, not only men of war, but men who are able to judge, who are able to draw a line. That's what a judge does. He's able to decide. And we're living in the day where men don't want to decide because there's, there's huge responsibility when you make a decision. So we said this week to the, to the young girls at the Sunday, at the summer camp, that one day they'll come up to their dad and say, Dad, I want to get married to this young man. And the dad says, go ask your mom. Because he doesn't want to make the bold decision to defend his daughter. He doesn't want to stand up to judge whether he's going to be a blessing to this young girl or not be. We talked about the fact that one day somebody's going to have enough courage to come up to me to ask me for my daughter. And I'm not going to say, go ask your mom. We're going to sit down and have a serious talk about his character, about his finances, about his responsibility, about his honor, about his obedience. A man is able to sit down at the table and to be able to judge matters. The Bible says that there will be no mighty men. There will be no man of war. There won't be men who will be courageous enough to decide. There was one man who gave all his finances to his wife so that he wouldn't have the responsibility to steward that wealth. And when she lost it all, then he came and wanted to hold her responsible to what he didn't want a responsibility for. And a lot of men today don't want the financial responsibility of making decisions so they could blame their wives. The Bible says there were not going to be in that day a prophet, a man who speaks on behalf of God. I want to tell you why a lot of people don't want to speak on behalf of God because usually he's speaking something that the men are not speaking. Usually is totally opposite of what man would do. I tell men all over the world that... Um, 99% of the time when they're reacting to a situation, they're doing something that God doesn't want you to do because God doesn't want man to be reactionary. God wants man to act, not react. A man who reacts is being emotional. I was just having a conversation with Gary this week, and I said, now you go back there, and you make sure you're not reacting and throwing a tantrum. You sit down and speak leadership. You speak the voice of God, the, the calendar of God, the schedule of God, the timing of God. And so to be able to do that makes you a prophet. And the Bible says that every man should be a prophet in his own house speaking the word of the Lord. What is God speaking over our family? And I want to tell you something. When God's not speaking, someone else is. And that's a scary thing. It's a scary thing and Wellington Boone hits it off well. When we have a she said instead of a God said. That altered the course of history for man. When man submitted and listened to his wife in the garden. And Wellington Boone speaks super powerful on how this distorts the cause of God in your life and in your family's life. When there's no God said. When what God said is absent. So there it is, the one that it reveals, the diviner, and the elder. These are all the things that are missing when we stop listening to God. 
I tell my generation that you should have somebody older than you that speaks into your life. Otherwise, we're just peddling the commerce of Satan's nature. The Bible says, he says, I'll lift up my throne above the throne of God. I'll set up above the mountain of God. That's what the devil's nature is, always to defy authority and to make prominent your voice instead of the elder's voice. The Lord says that'll be missing too. There will be no man, there will be no mighty man, no man of war, no judge, no prophet, no revealer, no elder. Verse 3, he says there will be missing the captain of 50s. I always tell the men, show me the five men that you're leading. Show me five men. If I were to call your name today and I said, show me five men that are following after your example, that you're leading after the cause of God. And the truth of the matter, there is no leaders of 50. There's no leaders of 20 or of 10 or of 5. And they'll be missing from God's groups. The man of honor, the man who stands up. We were talking this morning that there's two choices in our electoral process this November. We could go after dishonesty or dishonor. That will be the choice this November. Someone who has no capacity to honor God and someone who's super dishonest and is lying. So those are the leaders that America is worthy of. Because the Bible says a people will be worthy of the leaders they have. According to the ways that we have walked, that will be our leadership. There will be no honorable men. There will be no counselor. There will be no skillful, talented men working. I want to tell you something for what this counts. Uh, when it talks about skillful artisan, we're talking about architects and contractors and builders. We have a generation of men who have built billion-dollar stadiums for athletic sports. And we have no one in Miami that will build a house for God that is worthy to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just got back last week. Um, we were in Nashville, and we walked into a church that cost $10 million. How many know what a church of $10 million looks like? I want to tell you what it looks like. George knows what it looks like. He was there. Five basketball courts. A whole room about four times this size for the youth hall. An outdoor sport complex with baseball and softball. A manor, a cafeteria that makes Starbucks look like a little coffee shop. Open 24 hours, seven days a week. For the gathering of God's people. Let me tell you something. Here in Miami... We don't have that. We should have that. Amen. We should have a place that honors the, the ways of God. What, what happened here this summer with regards to the summer camp, the dance camp, the music academy, priceless. Inspired by the Spirit of God. By people who have volunteered, given themselves up to, to not... How many have ever heard somebody criticize... The house of God, the man of God, the word of God. Anybody lately? Have you heard anybody speak contrary? Every time I have somebody talking against the people of God, my hairs rise up on end. I have to be now polite to not lose my testimony. Very difficult for me. 
They invited me this, this year to a television program to ask me why Creflo Dollar wanted to buy a $60 million airplane. And so I said, I'll go and, and I'll answer that question. So when I went to the studio and they had me all full of makeup and the microphone and everything, they said, Pastor Molina, we're very sad to have to say that this pastor in Georgia wants to buy a $60 million airplane. And what's your opinion regarding the matter? I said, I'll answer your question when you tell me why you didn't call me to your program when Oprah Winfrey bought the same airplane, Tiger Woods bought the same airplane, and Mark Cuban bought the same airplane. I will begin to throw rocks at the men of God when you guys begin to tell me if being a journalist like Oprah Winfrey is more important than that pastor or hitting a little white ball up a golf course, Tiger Woods, is more important than what Creflo Dollar does, saving souls. And when Mark Cuban, who's not Cuban, <laughs> what he does is more important than what Creflo Dollar does. And in my opinion, saving souls and preaching the gospel is more worthy of a $60 million airplane than these other people. And so they said, let's break to, the, let's break to our commercial. Let's take a commercial break. Why? Because you're to defend the man of God. You're to defend the word of God. You're to defend the move of God. You're to defend the house of God. How dare you stand up in our generation to contribute to darkness, to confusion, to deceit. So the devil's already doing that for us. If we love God with all our heart and with all our mind and all our strength, they call us a cult. They call us crazy. If we volunteer and give away more money, I, a couple of years ago, I was doing very well in my law practice, and I, I gave so much money that year, and my accountant says, they're not going to believe you gave that much. I, go, I don't care what they believe. That's what I gave. I'm not interested in what people think is crazy. I'm intensely radical for Jesus Christ. Amen. And my life shows it. And my preaching is working on catching up to what my life preaches. Because our, our, our life has to preach louder than our words. Amen. Our passion. I was talking with Kendrick brothers this week. The guys who did Fireproof and Facing the Giants and Flywheel. And they said, sometimes when some people get popularity in this thing that you're doing with this movie is going to give you a place of prominence and prosperity. And that is a greater temptation for many Christian leaders than is poverty. A lot of people backslide when they get prosperous and prominent. And I said, look, the only thing I could tell you is for the last 20 years, I'm passionate about Jesus. And if God prospers us, we're going to continue at that level of intensity. Our life needs to speak of what we are putting forth in a tangible expression of who we are. A lot of people are talking about how they love Jesus Christ, but it's not even sufficient to touch the hearts of the next generation. I'm super blessed to have my three sons that are more passionate about God than I am. I have my sons coming to me now saying, Dad, why do you let these people come to church? And I'm like, they're causing a stumbling 
They're causing a disconnect. They're causing the thing to fudge up and to become blurry. And we want to be clear and, and we want to be concise, black and white. We want to be more serious. The Bible says that these men will not be able to lead 50. We're encouraging the men on Monday night that if they take God serious, they'll have 100,000 men that they could lead in the purpose of God. Each man that comes on, on Monday night, there's 250 guys. That would be 250,000 men that come after God with all their heart when the men get serious. You know that during the week from Monday to Friday, everything gets fudged up. Men compromise in every direction. It's a challenge of every morning. This morning I went to Starbucks, and as I was driving through the drive-thru, I saw a dollar. You guys think it's insignificant, but a dollar was on the ground. So I thought maybe the, the guy who was before me a couple cars before tried to pay, and his daughter flew away and landed on the ground. So I figured the guy's long gone. I found a dollar. You keep a dollar. So I stuck it in my pocket, and I drove up. I was the next car, and I got my coffee, my oatmeal. And then I was curious to ask the lady, did somebody lose a dollar earlier today? And she goes, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, I just remember. Somebody put a dollar in our tip jar, and the wind blew it away. Isn't that incredible? I said, here it is. That's, that's, that has to be us. If it's not us, it's never going to be anybody. Amen. It sounds dumb. But it's the little insignificant things that create a large mass of everything dark and twisted. The men who still, listen, we've been in this church for 10 years in this facility. And I tell men every Sunday, Monday night is men's meeting from 8 to 9. They still don't come. Is there, could there be any hope? Could there be any hope when men don't come? We, we have nine-year-olds that are showing up. Richard's nine-year-old boy, Danny Lopez, calls his father at 6.30, says, Dad, I just got out of school. I finished my homework. Are you coming to pick me up or shall I find my own ride? In other words, nothing's going to stop me. He's nine. So I'm sitting there listening to Richard tell his son, I can't pick you up because I'm at the church and we're doing some installation of electrical. He's, he's an electric worker. And I'm not going to be able to pick you up, son. I said, listen, do you stay here doing your electric work? I'm going to go pick up your son. I'm going to go pick up Danny. Because he desires, he desires to see a man. Matthew Hanau, come here, sir. This gentleman, he's only been here two weekends. We thank God you could join us here. Two weekends, because he just graduated from Sunday school. These guys back in Sunday school would say, Pastor, what were you screaming about the whole time while we were back there? Because they hear their pastor just roaring like a lion in here. And I said, Matthew, we're trying to get some guys to give you an example. 
The only thing, Matthew, is that they're 50 years old. And they still can't find their way to men's group. So what are you going to do? Thank God you have dad, right? Dad is modeling manhood. There's no hope. There's no hope for the bunch of circus clowns that call themselves Christians. And they don't stand up for the house of God, for the word of God, for their family. And so if he is going to become a champion, he has to see that his older brother Brian is a champion. And Brian is a champion. And Brandon is leading that group as a champion. And Blake and Blas and all the young men that are here, Brian, that are standing up strong to conform to the image of Christ. That's, that's, we're not playing religion in this place. We're not playing Christianity. We're saying that when somebody comes up to Matthew's life and says, hey, you would look good in a tattoo. And I don't even know what the response is going to be, but I know that guy's head is going to fall to the ground and roll. Because the Bible says they'll be able to answer with wisdom in the day at the crossroads of the marketplace. In other words, they're doing out there what they learned to do in here. Thank you very much, sir. This is not religion. This is reality. This is our children will not do what their fathers have not walked in. Let's go back to verse 3 there. It says the captain of 50s won't be present. The honorable man will not be present. The architect, the builder, the expert orator. That enchanter is the one who speaks with excellence. Uh, if you saw the Democratic National Convention and you saw the vice president and you saw Obama, these guys are fascinating orators. They could speak in ways that make you follow them anywhere. They're just speaking words. Verse 4. I will give children to be their leaders and babes to rule over them. This is the consequence of not having men arise in our day. So the rap culture, the, the, the biggest enterprise. Listen, to you, this is going to freak you out. The biggest enterprise in a modern metropolis like Miami is called Ultra Music Fest. Debauchery, drugs, and twisted confusion. A generation of young people that are leading our city. Why? Because there's no leaders. There's no people who stand up and raise up a flag for Jesus Christ that will impact this generation. There's no one in the city of Miami for the last 50 years that have concerned themselves with marriage and with the family and with our sons and daughters. They don't have answers. I was speaking to Kathy Fernandez Rundell, who is the one who is our state attorney. She's our, she's our legal representative for the last 30 years. Except she hasn't been able to keep a family together. She hasn't been able to find a reputable husband and her children are distraught. And she tells me that they're super overwhelmed by the fact that they don't have godly fathers. She's able to speak to her and to her son. Encourage her to get involved with the passion of transforming men in our, in our city. Verse 5, he continues on to say, These men will be oppressed by everyone, one by another, everyone by his neighbor. The child will be proud toward the elder, and he will treat 
the honorable things as they're not to be given worth and value. Where do these young people learn these values? Say with me, at home. At home. If they don't respect that which is honorable, it's because that has never been their course. Um, five years ago, we, we made a decision. We said, look, we've been waiting for a 70 or 80-year-old biblical scholar, a theologian, to, to be our leader, right? Because we want somebody that has gray hair, that is older, that is knowledgeable, experienced, and, and it didn't happen. So, so I, I finally woke up one morning. I said, look, it's not going to be nobody. It has to be somebody. And across the landscape, um, we called Pastor G.F. Watkins. We know him to be a man of God. We know him to be a man of integrity. He loves his wife with a passion that's amazing. He honors his children. He raises up a $20 million uh, retreat center for pastors. He's doing things at levels that we could only dream of. And we said, you know something? We're going to honor you. We're going we're gonna to make sure that if there's somebody upon the earth that is honoring a man of God, it's going to be us. I don't want to get to heaven and not have honored those who honor God. So I called him. I said, listen, and, and this is the report. Joaquin, we've never had honor like Spring of Life honors us. You guys are the most faithful people that we've met in the last 20 years. And so the Bible says, if you give honor, you'll receive honor. That which you sow, you'll reap. And so people says, well, you haven't done this with anybody else. Listen to me. Tangible. It's hidden. People don't know about it. This is the first time I talk about it. It started five years ago. But it was a decision to say, I'm going to honor the man of God. I'm going to put away my preference. I'm going to put away uh, what seems to be a cultural difference. Because, you know, you, from your, when you're from Texas, you're a cowboy. And so they have cultural differences. Uh, Hispanic, American, Anglo. But that's not going to stop us from honoring the man of God. From prospering the man of God. From celebrating the man of God. To be part of God's people means to celebrate what God celebrates. And when that's not taking place, we can't call ourselves God's people. We're not on the roster. We're not on the team. These young people will oppress. They'll, they'll not value the things that are honorable. Verse 6. When a man takes hold of his brother. This is somebody calling you on the phone. And they belong to the house of God, the family of God. And says, you... Already have provision because God has clothed you. You be our leader and let everything that's disrupt and in chaos be under your responsibility. You supervise. I, I want to call these young men. Alex, get up here. Nicholas, get up here. Come on. Alex Rivas too. Come here. These young men just got here. Where's Ephraim? Ephraim, come up here real quick. You see, these young men here are guys that showed up to church about, about a year ago, a year, year and a half. Now, these guys, if you put their delinquency together, <laughs> uh, 
they're street wise men that have done everything you could imagine and anything you can imagine. And they come to the house of God and they want to see some semblance of godliness. What are your ages? 26. 26 32. 32. 32. 28. 42. So you see that they're, they're guys that are ready to say, okay, who will show us what a man of God looks like? In other words, who is going to stand up to meet with them on Monday nights to be their leader to show them what a real Christian is? And all of them are going to try you in every area. I had one young man come here, and it's not none of these, but he says, I finally found my wife. There's only one problem. She's married to another man. That's how twisted things are in our day. I finally found the woman of my dreams. There's only one little problem, Pastor, and he's trying to integrate into the house of God. She has a husband. So that's where this level of chaos exists. Now, what is their hope to become like Jesus Christ when there's absence of a brother? Put that verse back up there, verse 5. A brother unwilling to clothe and to take these ruins under their supervision. That's what the Bible's talking about. Julio, you get up here too, brother. You're missing on this group here. How long ago did you get here? Uh, about four months ago. Four months ago. Okay. Now multiply on steroids. This group just got added. <laughs> and who invited you? Uh, George Smith. Okay, George Smith. You're, you're, come here. You're the supervisor, brother. You're... you're <laughs> You take this under, these ruins under your power, brother. You know why he could take these ruins under power? Because he never misses. Let's give a hand to the Lord. He honored his wife, Natasha, which is a beautiful princess. He has a beautiful daughter. His finances are roaring in the glory and grace of God. And he is the hope, Christ in him, the hope of glory for these ruins. That they, they can follow his example. Listen, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about the pursuit of Jesus Christ, which is perfection. That he can say, imitate me like I imitate Christ. I'm going to use my strength and my efforts. And, and I don't even know what happens to you at home when you try to tell Natasha you're going to stay on a Monday night. Because I'm going to think she's going to grab your behind and kick it so hard, you're going to shoot out the door. Because his wife wants him to be a man. So how many, how many hookies could you play before Natasha's going to have you in trouble? He's not going to have it. Because Christ has come in their family and has turned everything around for his glory. So his wife is the encourager. I don't know. Oh, don't go there again. Please don't go there again. Come and have dinner with me. We just got married. We just had a baby. All the things that could be a witch. Which witch is which? <laughs> that discourages him. That puts a thousand complaints. That's the night we're going to go see Cheita. This is the night we're going to go see my grandfather that came, great-great-grandfather's cousin's brother, uncle, nephew, that just came from Cuba. When? Monday night? When you have to be a man. I, I've scheduled you tonight. And it's a curse. 
It's a tangible curse. So I tell the men, we've traveled to Nicaragua, Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, now Cuba. We continue to travel to be able to take these men who are naked and ashamed and give them clothing and take these ruins and, and, and be leaders. You know what to stand up in Cuba and say, follow this pattern of manhood. And here's 5,000 copies of a book, What is a Man? So that you could follow the ingredients and the recipe to be champions. That's the work of Christ. That's what God is saying that is not existing there. Let's go to verse 7. And he shall say, he, he will protest. It's a bother. You're asking me to do something that really bothers me. I cannot cure your ills. In my own house, I'm taking care of my food and my clothing. Do not make me responsible for God's house. This is why God is withholding everything he has for us. You, you, you guys got disconnected there. Verse 1 says, God will withhold from Jerusalem and Judah all the supply of the storehouse, all bread, all water, all wise men, all mighty men, all men of war, all men of honor, because people do not, let's go back to verse 6, do not want to take responsibility in the house of God. Let these ruins be under your power, verse 7. For in my house, I don't have, I'm still working for me, myself and I. Do not make me a leader. Do not make me responsible for this motley crew who God wants to make champions. And I'm telling you, there's going to be 25 pastors that come out of this church Amen. from these men, from these men. From these men. They'll be spiritual leaders. And they'll take on the responsibility of the house of God. In verse 8 it says, Therefore, Jerusalem stumbles. And my city has fallen because of the words spoken by these men who don't want to lead and by their doings. They provoke the Lord. Their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. Verse 9. Therefore, look at their countenance, how it witnesses a man. When it's talking about countenance, it means when you try to lead a man to lead his, they'll turn his face. They'll turn his like. They're asking me to get involved. They're asking me to commit. Again, they declare their sin. They do not hide it. Woe to their soul, for they have brought evil upon themselves. Verse 10. This is in times of Isaiah. But it repeats itself. It says, say to the righteous, it will go well with you. George Smith is going to go well with you. Amen. It's going to go well with you. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Verse 11 says, but say to the wicked, to those that are not holding themselves out. Verse 11, woe to the wicked, it shall be with them. For the reward of his hand shall be given to him. The, the recompense, the return. Verse 12, as for my people, it will be children that oppress them and women who rule over them. The priorities, listen to me, you guys have to see the malls and the parks filled with men following their children trying to locate Pokemon. The children's priority is being served. So the women will rule over them. My people, it's not the worldly people, it's my people. Those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the path of your ways. Let's give a big hand to these gentlemen here. 
responsibility for the house of God, responsibility for the people of God, for the word of God, for your family, for the families in this church, for the families in the city of Miami. Listen to me. If we don't understand God's ways, we're going to continue to have politicians that will speak totally against God. Hillary Clinton lifted up a boys' academy in New York, and they're learning to recite every day a prayer that Nelson Mandela did over in Africa. There is no God, and I'm the captain of my soul. There is no God, and I'm the captain of my soul. That is funded by Hillary Clinton and her passion for American policy. And you know what it is? They're subverting the word of God. They're subverting the ways of God. Those black students that come from poverty-stricken homes that are not introduced to Jesus Christ and become the captain of their souls will be destroyed because they're not on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And so we have to be more passionate about Jesus. It needs to reflect in our devotion in the house of God with the men of God and the word of God and the people of God. And I'm telling you that, yes, we all can come up with a million ways that things could be done with more excellence or with more passion. But let's not despise the little things because we're straining the gnat like the Pharisees. They says, you swallow the camel and you want to strain the gnat, uh, the ant. You want to strain the fly and you're swallowing the camel. Let's do the basic things in the house of God and raise up leaders. I'm convinced that my, the next generation will be better than me. And my, my grandchildren better than me. And, and, and we're seeing that. With every camp, with every uh, year that passes by, the musicians are taking us to levels that are amazing. We started out with me playing a little guitar. 18 years ago, it was, it was glorious, but not as glorious as today. That was the provision for 18 years ago. But if we would allow that to be the stumbling block, we wouldn't have got to where we are now. And I'm, I'm not going to participate with people that are always looking and describing the light of his gospel and the light of his countenance and his presence and his people and his word and his servants with anything that subtracts from the glory of God. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we say goodbye. The Spanish congregation is here already. And so we will conflict coming in and out with them. Uh, we pray for Mayor Luigi Boria and his wife Graciela and they will win the next elections. Amen because we will support them. Uh, way before he was in office, he showed his integrity and his passion for Jesus Christ. And he continues to be on fire for Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we honor him and thank God for his life. Pray because the city officials are being attacked. The city officers are being attacked. I believe there's going to be a special night, uh, night Doral United. That's going to be on uh, August 26th. Um, we're going to be there praying uh, that night. We've been invited to, to participate, to raise up the city, raise up the God's shield over our police here in the city of Doral, the city council, the mayor, and everything that takes place for the glory of God. How many know that light prevails over darkness? Amen. Absolutely. There's not even a chance. The darkness has no chance. So we thank God. Father, thank you for this day that we're in the house of God. We respond to the word of God by saying yes and amen. We repent. We turn from ways that are not according to your ways. We want to see your glory upon our lives, upon our families, upon our 
the husbands, the marriages, the children, the church. Father, you say that Christ expressed in a tangible manner manifest through us is the hope of glory. Allow us to turn back to you, to turn back the heart of children toward their fathers and the heart of a father back to their children so that confusion and chaos do not fill the land. Give us your glory, Lord, and allow us to steward the weight of glory because you intend that we go from glory to glory even unto your likeness. We give you thanks for your mercy and grace upon Major, uh, the Mayor Luigi Boria, his wife, his family, his children. We call them blessed. We call them uh, uh, full of grace and truth and abilities of supernatural provision and giftedness, Lord, to lead our city to the prosperity and to the peace and to the provision that you have to glorify your name upon the land. We give you thanks, Lord, for what you're going to do in our lives this week. We give you thanks for financial provision that we could be a blessing to the uh, kingdom of God, to the house of God, to the men of God. We give you thanks for a visit into Houston this week to do a men's conference, that you would be with us and and put your hand upon us so that we could bless that city through our ministry. We we consider you our, our highest and most noble cause to which we will not regret one second in our lives. Allow us to surrender. Allow us to to bow down in your presence and offer you everything we are and everything we have for you, O oh God, have given everything to us in Jesus Christ. We pray and the house of God says amen, amen, amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.